0: Ball is hit well. Deep left center field. Adios! Pelota! Crossford! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show. Thanks for tuning in to your favorite Giants podcast, the Say Hey Podcast. And man, what a whirlwind of emotions we experienced this past weekend between the Giants and the Marlins. Thankfully, the Giants walked away winning two games out of three, but man, it was not easy. And in my opinion, a lot of it is because the Giants shot themselves in the foot in a lot of situations. Folks... I'm not going to waste your time today, all right? I'm not going to dwell on this series against the Marlins, but I believe there are some takeaways. Today, we're going to be doing a quick debrief of what we experienced this past weekend, and then we are going to be moving on to the upcoming series against the San Diego Padres. It's going to be a three-game series. First game starts tonight at 6.45, and it will feature a matchup between Alex Wood and Nick Martinez. So without further ado, let's go ahead and talk about the takeaways from the Giants-Marlins matchup. And number one, Let's go ahead and talk about the best thing that we probably experienced this weekend. And it's the start from Carlos Rodon. I'm just going to say it right now. Carlos Rodon by far is the best pitcher in the National League. He struck out 12 batters in five innings. Are you kidding me? It's so crazy that that was the one game that the Giants lost this weekend. But at the same time, if you really think about it, it's kind of on brand. If you've been a Giants fan for a while, then you'll understand the term Giants torture. Alright, and that's exactly what we experienced while we were watching this game. Real quick, I won't be doing a deep dive into Carlos Rodon's start, but I will say this. All the time, you hear from me, I talk about a stat called FIP, F-I-P. And essentially what that means, and I'm going to do my best to try to oversimplify it. FIP is a stat that measures what a player's ERA would look like over a given period of time, if the pitcher were to have experienced league average defense behind him, all right? So essentially what that means is, if you look at Carlos Rodon's FIP, it is negative 0.54, indicating that if he had experienced league average defense... And we all know from this weekend, not only did Carlos Rodon, but any starting pitcher for that matter, no one experienced league average defense. It was definitely below league average. However, if Carlos Rodon experienced league average defense, his ERA should have been below zero. How the hell is that even possible? I'm not sure, but that's exactly how well Carlos Rodon pitched this weekend. And the last thing I'll say is that Carlos Rodon now officially leads the league in strikeouts, and he only needed five innings to do so. Sheesh. If he stays healthy, Carlos Rodon will start the All-Star game for the National League, and he will be a top three pitcher in all of baseball. All right, here we go. Moving on to some quick takeaways. Austin Slater might be proving to be one of the early contributors of the team. He definitely had that game-winning hit in the first game, but he also, in the second game, put together a lot of hard-hit balls, and that's the number one thing to take away. I know his 125 batting average looks bad on the year, however, if you saw his at-bats during these past three games, then you'll see that he's putting the ball in play, and he's hitting the ball hard. For that reason, I think, Austin Slater, there's going to be a lot of extra base hits coming from him. Moving on to the next takeaway, and that's going to be belt confidence, all right? Despite having a rough spring, and by rough, I know I'm not talking about Darren Ruff. I'm talking about the fact that Belt finished his spring with a batting average of zero. Who cares? Game one, he goes two for four with a home run and a bunt single. All right, the captain is back. Not to mention that intro in game one was absolutely phenomenal. Something I was worried about heading into this season is is if Belt was displaying a pattern. And what I mean by that is during the 2020 season, he started the season with a 128 batting average. However, he ended the 2020 season with a 303 batting average and a 1.015 OPS. Fast forward to 2021, started the season with a 154 batting average, ended it with a 274 batting average, 975 OPS, and hitting 29 home runs. The point I'm trying to make is, I was trying to mentally prepare myself for another slow start during the twenty twenty two season. However, I want to dress game one from Belt because it seems as though we may not be getting a slow start to the season. The fact that he was able to make a direct impact on the game game one shows me that he's already in mid season form. So I can't wait to see Brandon Bell put up fifty home runs this year. I'm only kidding. No, I'm only serious. All right, moving on. Tyro Estrada was able to hit a home run during this 3-game series. However, something else he was also able to do was display gold glove caliber defense. It's no reason why Farhan Zaidi is ready to make this man the everyday second baseman. And did you know this about Tyro Estrada cuz I had absolutely no idea. In 2018, the man was shot. That's right. You heard me correctly. Tyro Estrada was shot by a pair of teenagers in a robbery attempt in his hometown in Benjuma in Venezuela. I know I said that wrong, so please forgive me. And now he's hitting bombs, playing gold glove caliber defense for the NOS champions. Don't call it a comeback. Oh my god. We were all excited about Tyro Estrada last year with the limited production that he was able to produce and then going into spring training, we were all ready for the breakout and now it's come. I'm fully on board. Not that I wasn't before, but man, it is really cool to see this man play every single day. Moving on to everyone's favorite pitcher, Logan Webb. And no, it wasn't like the postseason, all right? He didn't strike out 10 batters, but that's perfectly fine. He went six innings, only gave up one earned run, only walked one batter, and struck out three. Perfectly fine, because you know what? You know what else he was doing during his outing? Inducing a lot of soft contact. A lot of ground balls. That, more than anything, is what this Giants coaching staff, especially the pitching staff, value in their starting pitchers. If they can get strikeouts, that's amazing. But first and foremost, they love inducing soft contact, because those are easy outs. And if you're inducing weak contact from opposing hitters, it also means that you're keeping the opposing hitters off balance, which, of course, means that strikeouts will come as a result. This start should not force you to temper your expectations. Logan Webb is still postseason versus the Dodgers. Logan Webb, that is still who he is. This is only the first start of the regular season. All right. I know it wasn't as fantastic as Carlos Rodon, but whatever Carlos Rodon did this past weekend, it was historic. It's tough to replicate, or it's tough to have that standard for every pitcher in the starting rotation. However, I still believe Logan Webb is still the ace, and I still believe he is the future of this team and this starting rotation. And the last two names I'll quickly mention is Joey Bart and Heliot Ramos. Bart is looking extremely comfortable behind the plate, and not to mention he's also looking extremely comfortable with a bat in his hand. That home run he hit this past weekend, that was a shot that was heard around the world. My God, he did not miss any of it. In previous shows, I mentioned that Joey Bart's peak at some point in his career is hitting 25 to 30 bombs while sustaining a batting average that lives around 280 to 285. However... After seeing the power and the poise that he had every day this past weekend, it might not be crazy to say that he's that he has the potential to reach that ceiling this year, especially if he's playing, especially if he's playing every day. The fact that Bart was able to get the opening day start, that speaks volumes from the coaching staff. That means that they trust Bart to be the everyday catcher, and they trust him with navigating the starting rotation and the bullpen arms. So with that being said, we are going to be seeing a lot of playing. Time from Joey Bart. I wasn't necessarily ready to say this because I wanted to see how the coaching staff felt but it looks like if they're ready to throw the kid out there game one of the regular season, then they're ready to throw him out there for the majority of the regular season. So I believe this is something that we as fans should be extremely excited about. And something else that we should be excited about is as I just mentioned, Elliot Ramos. First game, no problem. He goes two for two. John Brebia, one of the relief pitchers, was sent on the bereavement list, which opened up a spot for Heliot Ramos to be called up. And thank God, too, because the Giants were in desperate need of another right-handed bat. Whoops, sorry. Now looking at his stat line, I have to correct myself. He didn't go two for two. He was two for two at one point in the game, but he finished the night going two for three. Doesn't matter. The point is... Game one, he's already making an impact, and I believe that he's big league ready. I'm not necessarily sure what the time frame is for Ramos, and what I mean by that is I don't know how long he's going to be able to stay at the big league level. There are reports that Tyler Rogers, he's expecting his baby here soon within the next couple days, so if Brebia comes back, then they can put Tyler Rogers on some form of bereavement, which can extend Ramos's timetable here at the big league level. However, I don't know what happens after that. In my opinion, we got to figure out how to keep this guy up at the big league level as long as possible. But again, I'm not Farhan. I'm not Gabe. I'm not a part of the front office or coaching staff, which means I don't make the shots. So we'll see what happens. I would love for the Giants to allow Ramos to stay at the big league level as long as possible. All right, everyone, that is going to be my takeaways for the Giants versus Marlins series this past week. And let's go ahead and dive into the upcoming series against the San Diego Padres. And let's just be honest with each other. Games against the Padres, and the Dodgers for that matter, will never be easy. The West features a three-headed monster, which is exciting for baseball, but it's also a nightmare if you're a fan of any of these teams. The Padres have sustained some major injuries to their starting rotation in Mike Clevenger and Blake Snell. And of course, the best player in the world, Fernando Tatis, is out for half the year. But the thing about this Padres team is they're so deep. Every single series played between these teams will always be a dogfight. In my opinion, the way the Giants get through this matchup is if the starting pitching can silence the big bats, the defense tightens the hell up, uh, cough, cough, Wilmer Flores, and the bullpen arms get rid of their early season jitters. I didn't mention the hitting because, with the way the platoon system is set up, the base hits are bound to come through. I know it's a tough order to pretty much demand perfection against the Padres or the Dodgers, but that's just the reality of the situation. Thankfully, I believe the Giants can secure a win here in Game 1 tonight that features a matchup between Alex Wood and Nick Martinez at 645. However, Game 2, I'm a bit more weary as the Padres will have Hugh Darvish on the mound, tossing the pill, and the Giants will have the arm in their rotation that still features some uncertainty in Alex Cobb. The results from spring gave plenty of reason for optimism when it comes to Cobb. However, everything changes during the regular season, alright? And when you're facing the Padres, anything is possible. So Game 2, I'm a little more nervous about. And lastly, Game 3 will feature a matchup between Logan Webb and Sean Manaya, the former product from the Oakland A's. And for this third game versus the dominant lefty, I'm sure you can all guess what the key to the game will be. The right-handed bats need, need... There's no options anymore. The right-handed bats need to produce. I believe the production will come, all right? Joey Bart, I believe, will play this game. And I believe Austin Slater and Darren Ruff will come through because they made a lot of hard contact this past weekend versus the Miami Marlins. And the last thing I would like to see during this series is if Camilo can, you know redeem himself. This past weekend versus the Marlins was not the best outing we've seen from Duval, and I personally would love to see Duval to get a few more opportunities to get back on track and establish himself as a young promising closer of the future. All right, everybody, that is going to be all for today's episode of the Say Hey podcast. Again, you can find the Say Hey podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And of course, everyone, thank you so much for your continued love and support. It truly means the world. And lastly, everyone, Please continue to stay safe in this crazy world. Please continue to be smart. And most importantly, go Giants.